0: Alright then, welcome to the MSC podcast number 10? No, number two of the year, we'll call it that, we'll stick with that. Uh, So all four of us this week, uh, we're going to cover a few topics, so we're going to start off by talking a bit more about the recent blog that Luke wrote on um, veganism. Uh, So we'll dive into that a bit and um, I'm sure we'll just go from there and see where the conversation takes us. So yeah, Luke. Why did you choose that topic?
1: I chose that topic. I think it's a very uh, prominent one at the minute. I think people following a plant-based diet, diet, or at least being aware of how many animal products the is, is definitely on the rise. So, and also that coincides with January of doing uh, veganuary. Um, and also, I think that when people talk about like the vegan diet, they automatically talk about uh, game changers, which is something that someone commented uh, in the poll straight away. Um, so I decided to, I was between two subjects before this one would be a really good one to do. And I also really like the, the study uh, layout and, and, and how it was set up because a lot of the times, which I'm sure we'll talk about later when we're talking about research, is a lot of things are put in to elicit a certain response, like they put up with like like the two extremes of something to compare to see the effect it would have. While this was a very Uh, Typical diet, it wasn't 100% meat, like they were just eating beef every day for the omnivore diet. And for the plant, they were just eating like grass or whatever. It was a very much a realistic diet. So everything was controlled. I think the omnivore diet, they were eating 70% animal products and then 30. uh, plants or something around that that percentage so it was like a very realistic um comparison uh, and I also think it gave really good um direction for people that were looking to to start a vegan diet I think a lot of people worryingly do say oh I'm worried it's going to affect my training in particular the drop from being a vegetarian to vegan it does get more difficult Um so I think it had some clear uh, takeaways for people to have that they could just apply to to um, to their diet and
0: uh, yeah I thought it's just the perfect time uh, to do it. Thing, yeah, have you ever gone vegan yourself, or gone like vegetarian, or tried it at all? <clears throat> no. no. Um, or has anyone? Like, uh, uh, yeah. No, I've. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is the one group. But that, but that's <laughs> another reason why. Like, we intentionally chose like a clickbait art uh, title because we thought, you know, we we four people that, you know, we we post about food and it's a big steak or a big chicken. But like, We 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 are omnivores. We like eating meat. Yeah. So I thought automatically put that headline up. But Ian Snape automatically thought it was going to be a bad thing, I reckon. Um, and I've quite liked it because I think it was quite um, subjective. So I think that's what it was also good to do because we are all omnivores. I have thought about it in the past. I would never go completely um, vegetarian. I've been at stages aware of like trying to cut down on meat ever so slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, more, more like I think pescatarian would be like swapping meat for fish, yeah. um, for my like sustainable sources. I don't think I could probably drop any lower
2: than that. But fair play to people that do. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's not for me. Would you ever I like think... sorry, oh, what, what yeah, what, what I liked about it was it was it you know, it was unbiased. Mm. It was it was fair and uh yeah, I wish like more more articles and more online posts and social media and conversations were were like that were were kind of factual based and then like here are the facts here's an opinion like and you know t- take take from that take from that what you want to make your own choices it wasn't trying to shove you know some something down your throat one way or or the other um which is what what i really liked about the the article
0: yeah i wasn't trying to sell anything either like because a lot of uh... Opinions on each. I mean, you look at like exactly.
1: You look at like like I I coach quite a lot of powerlifters. Um, off the top of my head, there must be at least five or six that are are, are vegetarian. There's a couple that are vegan. Um, and like it's good to have some good information for them to to say because I mean, all things being equal, it's a lot easier to be um, an omnivore. But but as things are like progressing through time and it's getting more popular, there, there are more options. Like you look now, Subway released a a chicken alternative um so like even subway all pretty much takeaways and restaurants now have a good vegan menu a few years ago i went to london with navta who's someone that i coach and we went to a restaurant and there was no vegetarian option so i had a steak and she had a bowl of ice cream for her main Um, and that was like four years ago so comparatively now that would never happen Uh, there would always be a, a, a decent option on there. And it's not just like the same meal without meat. I think it has progressed. So it was nice to, to give them, that was at the forefront of my mind when I was writing it and give them more information about like how to apply it and how they can cover the basis. Because people do get worried about not being as efficient as people that meet. And they might see it as like a, a detrimental diet, but it doesn't have to be if you apply
0: things smartly. Yeah. Um, it's also like, because I've never done um, like vegetarian or anything like that. Um, but what about like the the cost um, comparison? Did you look into that at all? Like, say, like a week shopping for a, uh, a vegan is it a lot more expensive? Is that because that might be a reason why people tend not to go for it?
1: So it's funny because I mean I don't know I, I've not looked into any research that looks at like people that eat high protein vegan versus not. But one of the stats when they talk about uh, trying to like on the vegan oh, I come out of the page, but the Vegan Society I think it was, and they compared the price. And it said that a meat diet is like 500 pounds more expensive for the year yeah. around that. Um, so they're saying actually that eating meat is more expensive, but that's not people that are going to be making uh, decisions to try and eat a high protein diet. That The people that would just like stop eating meat and would eat just maybe the vegetable side of things. So I, I'm not sure of anything that like compares high protein yeah. vegan versus um... yeah. interesting. The study said that um, the, the best source of protein in terms of like amino acid profiles and digestibility is, is fungus. Uh, protein so stuff like corn um yeah. as a higher full complete amino acid profile compared to to like the the plant alternative so it seems that actually like choosing those is is better and i think that's probably i don't know if it's cheaper but i know that corn's not like massively expensive compared to, to like minced beef
0: i guess it just depends on the, the quality of the meat you buy and then the um, of course yeah <laughs> the quality of the veggie veggie stuff you buy as well um yeah. Oh, cool okay um so have you ever like directed any of like your clients or anything to go vegetarian or vegan or anything like that or, or would I'm you sure would, start, I'm sure Sonya has.
2: <laughs> no I haven't personally I think well, like makes, you,
3: makes you say
2: that. <laughs> I haven't personally, but you know, I, I like I like people to make their own own choices um and I think we're you know the modern day world we've got the luxury of of choosing to be vegetarian or vegan if if we want to as Luke says, like things have progressed quite a lot in the last few years, especially. So, um, you know, I think, uh, I think as a coach, like we spoke about in the last podcast, like you've got to get an understanding of your, your client's personality and lifestyle, um, you know, as, as a part of, you know, how to, how to coach them in a holistic manner, you know? Um, so what they're doing outside the gym, we talk, talked about step counts and things like that. And I think it's the same with nutrition. So, you're going to have some guys who are like, right, I've been a lifelong vegan or vegetarian. And the last thing I'm going to do is try and say, well, actually you should eat meat because it's yeah. a better, better quality of proteins, amino acids, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's, it's the same the other way around as well. If someone's like, you know, <clears throat> I'm, I'm from the countryside, so you won't see too many, too many vegans and vegetarians. And like, if you've got, you know, if you're trying to say to one, someone who's eaten meat their whole life and say, well, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be doing this, shouldn't be doing that. Um, you know, in my opinion, that's not really, that's not really the way to to go. And you're, you know, from a moral, from a moral perspective, but also from um a perspective of making big bigger changes for someone, you know, we, was, we speak about nutritional coaching and making small changes and small steps. So the last thing you want to be doing in in my opinion is to say, right, well, I'm a big believer in, you know, in, in, in you know, veganism or, you know, you know, meat eaters or whatever, whatever it is. Um, you know, and, and not, not trying to force that down on someone's throat, but getting an understanding of where they're at and give advice as to, you know, right. Okay. Well, how, you know, I'm, I'm a vegan eater. I'm worried about, you know, making progress in the gym and then just having the information there. Like Luke said, and in his article of, right, this is what you can do better. And if you're a meat eater, you're not, you're not the devil, you know, um, it's like, right. Okay. This is, this is what you can do. Um, you know, you're eating some really good meats there with great nutritional value. um, However, your know, fat content's a little bit high, so maybe try and swap in there. So you might have someone who says, okay, I'm a bit conscious, like Luke was saying. Well, you know, if you're a meat eater, but you're conscious and you just want to cut down a little bit, what are the alternatives? So I think it has to be a subtle and progressive uh, approach.
1: So when you... Like... Oh, yeah. Can I just follow on for that quickly? Yeah, go learned, So pretty much, pretty much what Mark exactly said. It's if, if people are making... A, a decision on their own bat you give them the information that they need to take away with and um, the difference lies I think is if someone says I want to switch to being a vegan because I think it's going to increase my performance or if they're doing it for a different reason apart from ethics so if it's um, I'm, I'm doing it because I want to cut down on my meat I'm, I'm aware that I'm eating a lot and I think it could be a good thing to do then you give them the information to take away and say look this is the, this is what you need to do this is the data that we have on the vegan diet if someone comes up to you and says it's not because of ethics it's because I saw game changers and this guy was uh, an amazing footballer and he was on a vegan diet. Then you give them the information to say, look, if you want to, to become a vegan, fantastic. However, this is the research yeah. on that. So I think depending on the, the, the way that people come, the majority is because of ethics, but occasionally you will get someone that's watched something and then will say, oh, well, actually, I'm going to eat chicken nuggets because Usain Bolt eats chicken nuggets. And then you
2: give people the popular info. Was he a terrible footballer and then changed to vegan and became an amazing footballer?
0: He had he had
1: two vegan meals and then he got drafted for the NFL.
0: Uh, so when when you get people who are like um you know like you say really adamant that you should you should go vegan, you should go vegan, or or whatever nutrition um approach they, they think you should because they let's say they cite some research and say, look, this is the results they got, so therefore you should do it. Where do you draw the line between applying the results from like research into sort of a practical situation so like like in the study you you talked about luke um in your blog it's like how do you where do you draw the line with the inferences you make from yeah. the results
1: so like you look at the, the, the study was done on like older people it was done on like 50s plus it was they trained one leg and not the other and then they looked at the difference in their muscle point synthesis compared to that and then they compared it to the other group so it, because it's so invasive you can't do a long-term study of something like that like to look at like muscle protein synthesis is quite an invasive thing you can't do it for long periods of time because people just won't commit to it so from that you look at that and you think okay so the diet was like a legit diet that people would follow but training one leg comparatively to the other is not it's a decent way to look at muscle protein synthesis but we just don't do that so i think you can look at research and then you have to Look a little bit deeper, a lot of people read the abstract, and then that 's it. But if you look a little bit deeper actually what the study says there 's then more takeaways uh, to take that uh, to get from it. If you come away from nutrition for a second like, it 's a bit easy to explain for, for, for like a training one. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite studies looks at like the recovery timeline of um, high volume versus high intensity, and the, the the protocol that it uses is absolutely ridiculous it 's done to elicit a response it 's something like it might be like ten sets of ten. At 80% which I don't know who the fuck can do that but I wouldn't get one set versus 10 singles at 100% and it's like not one person who I know that's trained for more than three months could do that workout and then the look at the time course for recovery like, oh yeah it took them longer to recover from the 10 10s it's like You know, no one's going to do that. If you compared four sets of six compared to three singles, it might be different. But it, it give you an idea that maybe, okay, the higher volume session is going to be slightly longer to recover from than the higher intensity. And that can then help you set out your training program where if you like squatting twice a week, you might do like a higher intensity followed by the higher volume rather than the other way around. But again, like you've got to look at the caveats and say no one does that
2: protocol, but there's takeaways from it. expand on that like that that was going to be my next point was like about reading the abstract um so i mean that that's you know that's target number one is actually to do a bit of research so that's 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 better than than nothing a lot of people with um you know with sports science strength conditioning and politics and things like that will Read something on Unilad or you know, whatever, or just read read something online and just be like, oh, so and so said this, and so and so, and that's just literally someone someone whose biased opinion. Yeah. That's not even like that's not not even research. Don't take that as scientific, you know, quantitative data, and just sprout it as the gospel. You know, so we've got to do a research, and then that that's your next level, and then you do your research, and it's like, oh, I've read this abstract, and it says that whatever it says whatever you know 10 10s is amazing and it's like okay actually look into like Lou says you know look into the subjects look into um the the the, the length of the study the 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 amount of subjects the type of subjects um the actual protocols as well behind the 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 research um uh, like in a, you know there's an example there of you know, whatever you know ten tens and you know, singles and things like that. And that, that's that's really important as well. So like step one is actually do your research and don't just sprout shit. And then the second thing is let's actually look at the research and look a bit beyond look at the, the abstract. Let's get some context from it and um and, and go from there really. Because I think, think, people, do you think oh go on. No, that's it, yeah. That's pretty Do you think people much?
0: um you know they do take like you say whether it's a politics or a nutrition or some sort of trading um, research and they, they tend to just focus on the title because it is just that so much easier because if you if you have to dive into every single thing who's got time in their day to do that for every every decision they make do you know what I mean? it's a very yeah. time-consuming process so do you think it's a shame in a way that people are cashing in on that because they know people will just look at look at titles and clickbait articles so they know people aren't going to do further research. So it's just, yeah, it's just so much easier for them to just. It's, what it's a want. very
1: time consuming thing to look at all the research that's done every single month. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we, so we, we, we pay for a subscription that diverts all the, condenses all the research down. It explains it, the clear bits that you all need to know from an impartial thing. And that's, it's it's so valuable because otherwise you're just looking through millions of articles um, every single month. But like you said, you need to read everything. You need to to look at the, the full the big one is like the participants in 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 the studies because there's no money in 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 sports science comparatively to like other studies so you, you're just begging people to take part in these studies and often the times like they've never trained or they've trained for like three months you try and convince like you'll you you, you know you will know when she's trying to do like a master's and yourself trying to get someone to commit to like a 12-week program yeah. is hard man because if you already train like i'm not going to stop training for 12 weeks to do your training program but like Dave that's never done a training program in his life if you're offering 12 weeks of a free training he'll absolutely jump at it so straight away that's your market first, for sports science and that needs to be taken into account as well. If you look at these students all the time it's like they've gained 60% on their lift and it's like that's it's never going to happen to anyone. Yeah yeah because they've got no lift to fucking begin with.
2: Yeah. Um, it's hard but- isn't it I think like with you know like you say say it's, it's really hard to like condense all the articles and you know like i say who's got time to you know if if you're not a um you know if if you're not employed or educated in that subject who's got time to filter through all those all those articles you know we should because it's you know it's our, our job our industry but you can see how the modern like you know the modern way of things and you know attention spans being a bit lower and like Everything that's available on a, on a phone and Instagram, and things like that, with headlines and clickbait, oh, and stuff oh, like that stuff not they? You can see how you can see how the average person will, you know, just digest those 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 headings um, and those kind of one two liners rather than actually looking into things and doing research themselves. It's much easier just to say, you know, and that's that's in strength conditioning, that's in nutrition, that's in politics that's in anything isn't it is like you know right well i've seen that on instagram i've seen that not doing your research and um you know and, and then there's a netflix documentary and it's like for the modern day person it's a lot easier to sit down and read that so it, you know it is it is you know it's difficult it's difficult for people i think
1: sonia when you're doing your uh, like research for your degree have you found it hard to like recruit participants
3: um i think it's it's hard because you need to have the group like controlled or as similar as possible yeah but i really liked how you dig into it with saying like when you like a coach and actually look into what type of participants it, that was and what was their training like that's what kind of we see like that's what we read that's what we're interested in when we read an article like you know, like you straight away know that this was done on like elite footballers or elite, elite rugby players. So, okay, I'm going to question if it's going to apply to my clients or my athletes. And this is the same. So like, it's really, really tough to find a similar group, like with similar training or I uh, uh, like, you know, because obviously then you don't want to have such such variety like someone does powerlifting lifting and then you have someone who just, you know, do a regular gym. Like that's a big difference. So, and as you said, like, there's no money. So literally people trying to get anyone into those studies, okay. like, and I think the big one is that athletes don't have time to give you 12 weeks of training. So that's where you need to be really careful when you're reading who was the study done with and how was the study like applied like that's that's big one. And that's, I think the, as Ben one like talk about evidence-based coaching, I think that's where you gotta start questioning what the coaches claim. Like they, yeah. some like most coaches, like say, well, this research says, but then when we read it, we know that there's a difference. It's like the game changers, the Netflix document. Mm-hmm. Like we know there's a bit more behind, like the bias, like what money was into it, and you know. So you like, can't just you can't just believe something you see. Yeah. You know, like, in this must way.
0: Yeah, if people cite, you know cite some study and it confirms their pre-existing beliefs then
3: Bites, yeah.
0: they're, not, they're not going to look into like the, the contents and nuance if, if it could potentially like hinder what they're actually saying. Um,
3: because I think uh, the issue now is that so many people like say well but the research says and yeah. they just started to use the word research and science but well what science is it actually is it rubbish you know like you have to still be critical about this research. 'Cause not every research is good and not every study is valuable. Yeah. So and yeah, yeah de- that's
1: probably on levels that. of uh, Who? there's definitely levels of research in terms of like, you know, when they do like a single study versus when they do a longitudinal study versus when they do, um, what's it called, when they compare all the, the data for, like, 10 articles. Oh, okay. like um, a second literature
0: review or meta-analysis.
1: A, a, a meta-analysis, yeah.
3: Meta-analysis. There's
1: definitely levels to it. And people will scout, like, oh, this, I read this one article or I yeah. saw this one thing. Yeah. And then you you can always trump that by saying, well, like, well actually, the meta-analysis says Yeah. Because you'll find a study that will back up your biases 100%. Um, yeah. And if you're impartial, then that's, yeah, that's that. One thing I do, like a study, when you talk about, like, um, Different people for, for what the research is. There's a there's a really good study, and I've spoke to Mark about it a, a billion times. He's like doing the acute power base session before um, like a, a, a volume day, and the study is done on like team sports. I think it was footballers again, and it was like doing a vertical jump and then going into like some strength work the day after. But it was based off increasing your performance on the football pitch. But then you take those characteristics and you think, how could that apply? Um, to my sports. so we know it's going to apply for team sports because force production is going to be higher the day after but will it apply to which my primary concern is, is strength training and, and powerlifting? does it apply to, to weightlifters so you can take like the overall look of the subject you've got to say okay it's not based on my demographic but yeah. do the principles apply and then you apply it yourself you try it and it might work for some and it might not for others but it, it gives you a gives you something to kind of explore a little bit further um, if, you, if, if, if that's something dead, that you want it? to
0: do that was going to yeah. be my next uh, question, actually. Like, obviously, you know, you're a very high, high level athlete. Um, how often do you sort of look at the research and adjust your training protocols? Do you like say, I don't know, every three months have a look and adjust, or do you do it weekly, or what do you sort of?
1: I pretty much never adjust my. Uh, like, I'll try little things, but I won't like it. Won't because this is the whole thing about if you've got your own. Kind of belief and you've got your own research then yeah. there's not going to be one article that ever comes out that's going to make me change my whole belief system i'm not going to be currently doing something there and say oh my god this says that singles all year round is, is definitely the best because i've already got my belief system and i've already got what i know works yeah. and i've already got a good amount of understanding and not once full swing is going to swing it around yeah. however like a few years ago, I tried the power base session before I did a competition or before, not on a competition. So I did it before like a heavy session, see if it works here. I felt the day after, and then I thought, okay, that was pretty good. I'll apply that to when I do a competition. Um, so like, rather than like a complete overhaul, Cause I've already got my beliefs and that's the key with anything if no one's already got their, their their full understanding they get swung around by every single piece of research that that's come out like one week they're saying this is the best thing the next week they're saying something else is the best thing if you've already got you a good understanding you already fully read and you've applied it yourself you might change a couple of little things but you're not going to have this complete overhaul um so I think like having your own belief system avoid you doing that um, but am I'm, I'm more than open to to the you know new research and then applying little things to it but it's never going to be like a complete overhaul and i think that's the same for for anyone like there'll be new research that comes out in in like team sports like you know people tracking like tonnage and people tracking like their mileage that they're winning um and then like trying to stay within these like acute chronic ratios is massive at the minute the last two years two years ago no one had done that but it's not like a massive overhaul it's just applying something to what you already do um yeah, yeah. does that answer what you
0: yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to hear that you don't uh you know, like you say, you've got your own case study, being yourself, and you just adjust here as you go. It's good, but it's the same with like it's the same with
1: clients. Like I trying to, you know, thirty odd people, and there'll be a new research that comes out and says this could be superior to this, and then you know you have a look into it and you think, okay, the principles might apply to these people. Let's mm-hmm. give it a try. But it's not completely changing all of the training; it's applying a very small change for an extra couple of percent. and it's these little tweaks rather than like a complete overhaul, yeah. which is what the research is going to dictate.
0: Interesting. Uh, the meeting's just about to run out, so should we pause there and start another one? Yeah. 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 Okay. Stop recording. All right. So sticking with the uh, topic nutrition, do you do you think it's uh, important that everyone track their calories at some point or consistently? What's What's your opinions on that, Sonia? What are you thinking?
3: Um, I think that. It would depend on on the specific person's goal, uh, whether it's like you know if it's performance or if it's just like feeling good, like losing losing weight or fat loss, basically. Um, I think it would be probably good and beneficial for everyone kind of go through a period where you where you have some idea of what meals uh, and what food like or how many, how many calories they have because I think this is a big one if people never actually look into the labels because um, you know like you often maybe hear from from your own clients like I've only had this, and I've only had that, but when actually like it, it's a lot, so I think like having just like a basic knowledge of of like what you're consuming is is good, and then I think um from the perspective, like performance and like taking your training to another level, um probably for a while, mm, I don't know, like I know like myself and Luke, I know like he's doing it like almost all the time but like when you for let's let's say a week or for a holiday period don't track like you already kind of know how much to eat so i think it teaches you how to how to how to behave and how to how to cook and how to eat um so i think yeah it's vital um but maybe again you gotta be careful because people can get trapped into being too skeptical about you know like i I don't know how to put this in my my fitness style I'm not gonna eat it, so again, you're gotta like have that line in between oh, so they what's healthy they avoid
0: certain foods because they can't track it you
3: yes. yeah, like I'm not gonna eat out, I'm not gonna go, you know like I'm not gonna have this or if someone brings a cake or whatever, like keeping these things like I think that's not good for the mental side of the thing, yeah. but to give you an overall like opinion and idea of how much you eat, if you, you know you know you know people say i I, I can't lose weight. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Like I just eat, you know, salad. But then they forgot, let's say, to add the dressing, like into into the fact that well, that's the calories. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Hope it answers the question. Yeah.
1: I think uh, I think exactly what you said. So like, depending on your personality, it depends on what level that you need to go in for. Because there's some people and um, they've got like really disordered eating, um, and like can become like quite obsessive with stuff like that. And you see them like weighing like every single item, like how many grams of tomato, even though it will only be like four calories different if it's a hundred grams or four. Um, so depend on the personality depends on how much you ask them to track. So for some people, it might just be a case of saying like rather than tracking calories, say aim to have a, a fistful of protein and two vegetables with each meal or something like that. Um, but I do think that aside from disordered eating, if you haven't got any, any like past with, with, with that as an issue, um, you need to track at some point. So we had a guy, um, through the elite membership that said he'd used a calculator recently to work out what his calorie deficit should be. Um, and it was like 1800 calories, which is, is quite low, but it's based, the calculators are based purely off averages. So what I think we all agree with as coaches is that when we get people to start a, a nutritional, uh, program, um, is to track themselves for a week, um, track their weight, kind of, have, get a, for, for a male it's very easy because you can just track for weight, there's very minimal in terms of fluctuations from like a hormonal perspective um, and from the cycle. Um, and then you can just eat if they've lost weight through that week or if they've gained weight. And then from there, you can manipulate the calories. Um, but I think the ultimate aim is then to become as kind of intuitive as possible for the majority of people. And there'll be times where you have to go back into eating and tracking your calories all the time. But for most people, they want to get just to an intuitive point. So I track every single day, but I pretty much just like it at the end of the day and make sure there's no massive errors. And I pretty much eat now within 50 calories every single day. I log like very half-assed. Like, I don't weigh anything. Uh, well I do waste I don't weigh like salads and stuff Um, so I think the aim is to get as intuitive um, as you can but everyone needs to track at some point to just get an understanding of what their body responds to because the calculator could say 1800 but this guy might actually need 2200 calories um, and still lose fast weight so I think you can use the calculators to get a starting point but ultimately tracking and then comparing to your own activity
2: levels is vital
0: happy days happy days
2: what about you Mark you tracking Yeah, I agree. No, I agree. I think it's something that everyone should do at some point because it gives you an awareness, Um, and it can be quite eye-opening. To be honest, I mean, you know, I didn't do it, you know, at all until probably five or six years ago. Was probably the first time I did it, and it was quite eye-opening. To be honest, Um, you know, as much as I thought, you know, thought I knew about, you know, um, nutrition and calories and things like that, you know, it was, it was, you know, I did did learn. Um, There was a few things that. Took me by surprise. Um, so I think you, you know, it's worth doing for everyone, just for, uh, you know, at worst, just a little bit, you know, of awareness about what you're doing. I'm not saying you have to go and track, you know, every day for the rest of your life. Um, for me, it's on and off. Like I'll go through periods where, you know, if I'm, uh, if I'm aware that like, you know, I want to just make some subtle changes, body composition, or if energy levels are low or performance levels you know, a low. So, I mean, there was a period last season before games where I was really, just felt really tired and stuff. And I, you know, I went back into like, just, you know, actually looking into what, um, what I was eating. So I started logging for a bit and I did see one or two, uh, things that, things that I was missing. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's context, I think like, you know, and, um, for, you know right right now i 'm not tracking, but I've just become aware recently that like my my protein levels have definitely slipped off like probably in the last like three six months to be honest it's been sloppy um so that's something that i'm consciously trying to improve um but i'm not feeling the need to track it at the moment i 'm just trying to make a more conscious effort. And then I might track again for, you know, for a little bit, but I'm not in a weight categorized sport. So I'm not like a kilo or two kilos here and there. I'm not too fussed about, I've got a good understanding now of like, you know, pretty much what, what I'm, what I'm on uh, daily now, but you've got to go through that kind of process and and do it, do it on yourself to, to build that, you know, that understanding and those learnings.
0: If, if someone,
1: I also think for the majority of people that you don't need to track every single um, uh, macronutrient. You can just, so for most people, if it's just like from a yeah, aesthetic perspective, it's just a protein target and a novel calorie target. You don't specifically need to to track your carbohydrates and fats, as long as there's like some kind of a balance there. But if someone's then if someone's then looking for the next like 3%, like I'm currently trying to, I'm t- trialing like a higher carbohydrate diet. Similar to what you said about the research earlier, there's, there's some good research out this last couple of months about like higher carbohydrate diets in particular in, in and around the workout and the, uh, the effect that can have on like calcium handling and then also force production. So I'm trialing now a higher carbohydrate diet. So I'm tracking every macro for the first time. I won't do it forever, but it's just to kind of get that extra 2 3%. But for the majority of people, they just need to track their overall calories and then have a protein target. So it doesn't have to be as obsessive as maybe people that think.
0: Was, that was going to be my next uh, question, actually. like If someone was coming up sorry. to see you starting out, sorry. Um, like, what would you say with the top, you know, things to focus on initially? And like you said, uh, protein and overall? Um, so I,
1: th- there was, there was, There was a really good meta-analysis by Brad Schoenfeld and it was looking, and I think he's the leader on on this subject, and it's looking at like the amount of protein that you can absorb per meal. And people always spout saying, oh, 25 grams, 30 grams, and it doesn't take anything into account. And I think actually the research is 0.4 to 0.55 grams per your kilo. So if you weighed 100 kilo, 40 to 55 grams. Mm. And then the overall target is 1.6 to 2.2 in terms of maximizing like muscle protein synthesis. So you can break that down there. So for a hundred kid or guy, 160 to 220 grams of protein a day and um, divided by meals between 40 to 55. So if you do 50 grams, if you have five meals at 50, that gets you, is that right? Four meals at 50 and um, gets you 200 uh, grams of protein. Quick maths.
2: Um, exactly. So I use that as a
1: good, for older people, I think it's slightly higher, but, but like for most people that we work with is between 0. 0.4 and 0.55 separated over like four to five meals, depending if you aim for the low or the higher aim. And I think that's a really good starting point. But like Mark said earlier about not just completely overhauling someone. So if someone's on like, I don't know, 30 grams of protein, you're not going to say, well, actually, we need to put it up to two grams per kilo because it's just not going to happen. we just slow incremental um, increases is is the key. And I think the protein is the main one.
0: Nice. So does it, does it frustrate you when you see things online where people... Um like i so adamant about a certain either nutritional plan or training plan where they give such like um, black and white. Yeah. Black and white. Like this works. Yeah. This definitely works. Does it really frustrate you? Where, and if it does frustrate you, where would you sort of direct people to look elsewhere to get better? Cause obviously, you know, general population aren't going to look into every research article on training or nutrition. Cause you know, it's not, like I say, there's only a finite amount of hours in the day. So where would you direct people to look to get, the
2: best information possible I'll just jump in there I think like with um you know it's not it's not the average person's job to to know that and to do that, so ask you know ask ask an expert, get in touch with an expert. I think it's the same in any you know in any any subject really um you know is go and find someone you know with experience well researched and uh, well, 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 thought of in in a particular industry, and 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 try and learn learn from that that person um, would be my first first thing I would say. Yeah, uh, just- I am always
1: I always happy just to be wary of, of the extremes of anything. So, like, I'm on this zero carb diet, or I'm on this you know high, ridiculously high protein, or super high. Like all of the extremes of where the issues are, the middle ground tends to be what is best for most people. However, I don't get frustrated anymore at anyone because you just you'll get nowhere in life. Like, yeah. someone comes up to you every single day and gives you some some bullshit that they've read, and you just can't really bother you unless they are a client or if they actively ask you a question about it. If someone comes up to me and says, "Oh, the keto diet is the best. I've lost this amount of weight. It's fantastic. Have a good day." If someone says to me, "Luke, uh, I want to get coached for you. I'm on a keto diet. What do you think?" You just give them a little bit more research. There's a few different people out there that that are good to, to learn off. But I think like Mark said, just going to someone that's reputable, um, like fairly local, I think it's good to work with someone in person um, and someone when you can see that like the information they're putting out has good research in it, but also like they can back it up with clients that they've, they've actually made a difference with because it's easy having all the research, but if you can't apply it to your clients, something's getting lost in translation or you're not good at communicating it, or you can't make people buy in that's massive as well. So I think you need to have a look at who's putting out good content and who's actually getting good results. Nice.
2: I think it's easier, like it's an easier sell for you know for people, isn't it? Um, you know, you get you're gonna get these influencers and you're gonna get these these people that are trying to sell something that sounds trendy. It sounds like a quick fix, you know, whatever it is, a five two, a keto, or give it a cool name. They'll and then, you know, and you'll try you'll try and sell that particular product. You know, sounds a bit sexier than like. The, the basics of, yeah, of, of nutrition fundamentals yeah i think
3: the good one is then like if you're saying that if, if someone would approach you as the coach and then say like i'm on this diet what do you think like i would genuinely just ask like I, how do you feel it works for you like does it actually suit to your you know your lifestyle your body like people may be thinking like i'm doing it because i've heard it's good but when actually you like try it which is fine. I would probably say if you, you know, if you want to try, but then if the, if it doesn't suit you, why would you push for something like that? Like many people were were like um, buzzing about keto when it came out. I think with like the CrossFit boom, um, and I think like genuinely people figured that it's just not okay. Like it's just not good for everyone.
2: Most aerobic um, sport in the world. Let's not eat carbs. Yeah. It's
1: like um, oh. it's like intermittent fasting. If I tried that, it would be terrible. But for someone that trained fairly early, it might, might be a really yeah. good diet. Yeah. Who was the person, Mark? It was winding up Jackie the other day. Um, that Greg, um, he lost loads of weight and he's, he's put out a, a diet video or he's put out like a, a diet plan. Um, and he was like, he's like a presenter of like a... Oh, um, is it a cook? Jeff, the one from MasterChef. Yeah, 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 yeah the MasterChef yeah, 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 yeah. guy. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, I think you've got to take a long but, hard look at yourself no. if you're buying the diet plan off oh, Greg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> comparatively saying, oh, who who did Greg's diet plan? Or you know, maybe look at the coach versus the celebrity, Greg Wallace. Uh, Greg Wallace. <laughs> That's it. If you're going to Greg Wallace for your nutrition, you should probably have a long hard look at yourself. Yeah. <laughs> versus saying, who what what did he do? And who's the guy that
2: you know? Who was his trainer? Who was his coach? Yeah. He, yeah. It's a crit- bit of critical thinking, isn't it? I think, which
0: yeah,
2: is maybe a bit difficult these days. But that's true. Well, it's, it's context, isn't it? Middle ground, and trying to you know, yeah, fat, f- fad diets, uh, quick 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 cells, and things like that. I think your best option is for longevity. Get yourself educated. Get some help off someone who you know who knows what they're doing, and find what find what works for you. Yeah. So it's like it's like you know
0: inferring anything from a research what what were the mechanisms that caused the effects and how can you apply them to yourself in, in your context or in your client's context or anything yeah yeah well what better way to end than on greg wallace i think that's a, <laughs> that's a point um happy days all right um well until next time we'll, we'll Thanks, see, you, uh, see you again yeah good chat good chat today thank you um, everyone yeah cheers everyone hope you awesome.